How to transform your passion into a successful startup. Welcome to Lead, an inspiring podcast that focuses on the creative spirit inside us all. Jocelyn Bellows interviews accomplished entrepreneurs about overcoming obstacles and achieving greatness. Join us today and lead into a fulfilling and successful life. Hey everyone, this is Jocelyn and welcome to another edition of Leap. Joining me today is Jennifer Henderson and Jennifer is the founder of Career Allies. First and foremost, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jennifer, I had the good pleasure of meeting at a pitch event actually just a short while ago and I was so moved by her story of why she built this business that I, I immediately approached her. I think I probably ran you down and said, please, please, please come on my show. Um, after a few weeks of trying to figure out scheduling, we're finally here. So welcome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you sought me out and, and, and <laughs> tracked me down. Very excited to be here. I tend to do that. <laughs> when there's, when there's something in a story that I'm so compelled by, I, I, I have to. It's just, you know, it's my nature. So having said that, Jennifer, let's jump right in. And I'd love for you to share with the audience uh, what is Career Allies and why you decided that this was your dream and your goal to create. Sure. Happy to share. So the foundation of Career Allies, like so many of my fellow entrepreneurs, was born out of personal experience. I spent 15 years in corporate America, 14 500 companies and loved, loved, loved my career. I was very driven um, and promoted quickly. My husband and I actually spent seven years going through in vitro fertilization because we were having a tough time getting pregnant. And what I couldn't control in the world of conceiving, I could control in my career. So I was able to divert all of my energies and frustrations into being a top performer and that paid off in spades, right? I promoted quickly and got a ton of great experiences. Well, when the stars aligned and we had the miracle happen where we became pregnant, uh, I was coincidentally also up for a promotion. When I disclosed my pregnancy, the promotion was taken away. Because we had worked so hard and so long at becoming pregnant, I really, you know, I turned the other cheek and just was grateful for um, our miracle child. So onward and, and, and kept moving forward. And then fast forward five years later, different company, different stage of my career, um, I was up for a stretch assignment, became pregnant. And again, when I disclosed my pregnancy, um, the stretch assignment was taken off the table. So the second time that it happened, that was really enough for me. Uh, didn't want to spend the next two years of my life in litigation and decided to opt out and just become part of the solution. So I really started by understanding how big this problem is. Was I you know, a special snowflake or was this as big of a problem as I anticipated it to be? And no surprises, it's, it's significant. And it spans the globe. This isn't just a U.S. problem in regards to pregnancy discrimination, maternal wall. Um, researchers have coined it the leaky pipeline, women in childbearing years really seeing a significant stagnation in their career. And then, you know, when I was really on the fence of, do I take the leap into entrepreneurship? Do I stay in this really nice six-figure steady income job? I sat in a workshop, and I'll never forget this moment. The presenter was saying statistic, a statistic that just made me about leap out of my chair. She said, women stand to incur a 30 to 40% earning reduction over their lifetime if they opt out of the workforce for anything more than two years for caregiving. And I just thought, wait. <laughs> 
wait a minute, not only do we have incredibly high childcare costs that force some women out of the workforce, but now you're telling me that I stand to lose 30 to 40% of my earning potential because I'm trying to do the right thing, right? I'm trying to spend the formative years with my child, or I'm trying to have a cost benefit analysis with my spouse on the cost of childcare or whatever it might be. It just seemed like a no win situation. And that's where I said, this is quite honestly bullshit. And I need to, I need to figure out how I can be part of this solution. So I did, I took the leap and um, dove right into research of, as I mentioned, the current state started to create um, processes from primarily my international partners. So when you look anywhere but the US, the um, legislation around paid leave is leap years ahead of the United States. So for instance, the UK, Canada, and Australia were our, our predominant partners around how have organizations dealt with um, women who have been out of the workforce for sometimes up to a year on paid leave. That's the standard, that's the norm. And how do they manage through that? And what tools and processes and systems do they have in place? I'm a big fan of not recreating the wheel. So I wanted to see what was working. And I always wanted to come to market with a solution for the business and not put the impetus, so to speak, on the expectant parent. Because having sat in corporate America on the other side of the table as long as I did, I knew the best laid plans weren't going to lift if we didn't have the buy-in of the organization. So our thesis was and remains and will always be, this has to be a collaborative experience between the expectant parent and their manager. And that's how we built our entire solution is with those two parties at the table. So that's my story. That's my why. That's my motivating factor on the days that this entrepreneurial roller coaster kicks me in the stomach is why I'm doing this. And I think it hit another level of, um, of urgency when I had a daughter and I, and I still can't. And, and I thought when I had her, imagine her coming across the same penalty that I did. So onward and upward and <laughs> working through all the challenges that come with starting a business. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. I want to go back to, to a little bit of the origin story. So you, you announced your pregnancies at both situations and in both situations, those opportunities disappeared. Is that legal? Number one. No, no, it's not. However, it is very hard to prove pregnancy discrimination as it stands today in the current culture and state of affairs. Women, statistically, we've learned one out of every three women incur pregnancy discrimination before, during, or after having a baby. Um, it is a very big, he said, she said situation. HR by design is in place to protect organizations. So expecting them to be champions and partners for employees citing this is it's unrealistic, quite honestly, unfair to the HR representatives. We have amazing HR partners, both in my path, my in my past, in my previous, in my current life, and that's just not a realistic expectation. So pregnancy discrimination is rampant, and it's very hard to prove. So then, how do you find the cross section? Where is your solution? Um, where is your point of entry for your solution? The gatekeepers, so to speak, are typically always HR partners. Okay. They are nine times out of 10, the current state solution with this um, life event. And as you're seeing the HR industry go through significant shift as a non-revenue generating entity within organizations, you're seeing increase in spans, you're seeing decrease in support and a phenomenon they've coined, the white gloves are coming off. So HR is kicking back a lot of processes 
to managers plates that have historically been managed by HR. And what that's causing is a need for a supplement solution in regards to education and support and resources such as ours to help the manager do a process they've never done before. And in our instance around parental leave, it's really preventing them from stepping on some of the landmines in regards to pregnancy discrimination, bias, sometimes conscious, sometimes unconscious. There's certainly legal ramifications around FMLA compliance. So it's a very big ask for a manager to just start managing this process without having resources, like I said, such as ours. Right. Because, you know, as a former manager myself and you know, here I'm also in the entrepreneurial world. However, you know, my, my career has also been taking me through corporate America and managed teams. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that in my own role, ill-equipped to have those conversations. To me, mm-hmm. that really lands in an HR arena who have been trained in in the delicate conversations and an appropriate in my field or my field of thought is an appropriate manner in which to, to conversate around what does it look like in the absence of an individual who will take, who is determining to take time off to be with their, their newborn child, mm-hmm. which we're all entitled to have. Absolutely. And well, so, go ahead. I was going to say entitled. Yes. Culturally accepted, often no. <laughs> I think it's it's great um, and accurate meme that I see pop up again and again in the world that I play in, which is, you know, society wants you to parent as if you don't have a career and working your career as if you don't have a child. And yeah. it's, it's very true. It's, it's a double jeopardy situation. Um, you said something that resonated with me in regards to the delicate conversations that HR representatives are trained and seasoned to have. And that's absolutely accurate. And the expectation, as I mentioned, of of moving that over to managers is short-sighted and and unrealistic. And we've even found organizations of substantial size who have told their managers specifically, you are not allowed to talk to your direct reports about their pregnancy or their upcoming baby because we're so fearful that you're not going to know what to say or how to say it. Now, in the world of managers, we know that your employee relationship is critical to engagement, to, to retention, to promote to all the things of the role of being a manager. And to cut off that lifeline in an emotionally charged, um, life-changing, should be incredibly exciting time of an employee's life mm-hmm. is in, in our opinion, one of the most damaging messages you can send is an organization. And um, if that's really the state that that organization, I mean, that's an organization we chose not to partner with because they don't have the right thought process in our, in our vetting opinion mm-hmm. to um, implement a solution such as ours. That's, that's a whole other end of the spectrum for where we want to play in. That's, it, it's surprising and it's not. So when you said that, the first thing that hit me was like, oh my gosh, I understand from a managerial perspective or from a, you know, from a top level and saying, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to step on any landmines. We don't want to upset the apple cart. However, the most important piece of employee engagement is to feel as if you're an individual and not a number, Mm -hmm. right? And, and pregnancy is such a personal piece. And we talk about, people talk about their kids. They talk about what they do on the weekends. They talk about their personal life at work. Mm-hmm. It's part of relating. It's part of connecting. 
And when you're talking about a company culture, that's what you want to nourish. Mm-hmm. So this Absolutely. is a critical component of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and that's why I think I was so compelled. Like I said, when I when I heard your message and your story, that I said, well, what, what's more here? So now, so now that you've um, gone down this road and you created this business, what are first of all, what are some of the initial What's in some of the initial receptivity when you are, are approaching new potential clients, number one, and, and secondarily, and this may, this is the second really second question, with this advent and the move of parental leave, mm-hmm. now it's paternal leave as much as it's maternal, right. what is the receptivity and how is that shifting? It's a great question and it's not an easy answer. There's a variety of re- responses that we've found to this solution, be it from, we think we're actually doing pretty damn good to, oh my gosh, give me anything and everything that you possibly can to help me do this process better. Cause I've lost some of the most talented individuals ever working for me in this time of their life. And I know it could have been done better. So you have the entire gamut of initial responses. Um, the when you get more into the brass tacks of it of how does the solution work how does the product work um we have to be very sensitive because we are for all intents and purposes removing a job function of hr Mm -hmm. um and need to be respectful and um inclusive of that stakeholder and as i mentioned earlier nothing but respect for those those HR representatives and partners, but they need support. And we have time and time again in our research and partnering with HR individuals found that if we give them something that allows them to be proactive instead of reactive, because their life is firefighting, that is their number one desire. That is their, please give me this in spades because um, number one, it makes them look like a champion and a rock star. And number two, they, they can get their head above water. Right. And that's where honestly, why I never pursued HR is time and time again, I see these amazing HR people just get beat down with these reactive, um, man, that could have been prevented such an unnecessary mountain out of a molehill type situations. So again, that's why we insert ourselves as soon as a pregnancy is announced, we take care of the communication strategy from beginning to end. We certainly bring in HR when applicable but we're reducing their administrative and rework needs by up to 70%. And that gift of time is just immeasurable for those individuals. Um, so, so it's just curious about that. So are you actually conducting the conversations as an outside agency with the employees and the managers, or are you providing resource to the managers to, for constructive conversation strategy? Both. Okay. Yep. And how then does that translate for trust with the employee? Because here you are as an outside group who haven't built, haven't had that long-term relationship where some of these managers may. Mm -hmm. How does that sort of play out? That's bubbled very quickly to the top of value add for our expectant parents in the vein that having an independent, unbiased third party that they can be fully transparent and honest to who we have no affiliations to the organization whatsoever in terms of comparing us to, as I mentioned, the HR's responsibility of company first protection. Um, We can really act as that unbiased third party, that ear to listen to that um, uh, different perspective to have 
at critical mile markers throughout the life cycle of the leave. And that has, as I mentioned, bubbled to the top very quickly to be one of the biggest um, asks and um, benefits to those parents of having somebody, number one, who's been there, mm-hmm. <laughs> number two, who can provide a broader perspective. Sometimes all we need to do is zoom out to a 30,000 foot perspective and help them see the whole playing field. Number three, just listen. Um, so we have found that it's got to be the combination approach of giving those conversation guides and that guided architecture in addition to having that human touch um, from time to time. So for yourself, I want to look to say more reflexively, you know, this is a birthed business out of your own personal experiences. Most businesses are. Mm-hmm. When you think about the what you've created and what you've put into the world, what are some of the things that you that are you most proud of? Uh, number one, and and also, what are the things that have been the biggest challenges for you as an entrepreneur, just building this business? I know there's so many answers there. <laughs> Depends on the day, right? Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Uh, or the or the minute of the day. That's for sure. so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Well, I will I will start with the positive first, which is, um, you know, we we met as you mentioned at a pitch event, and I am just coming off of a run of. 45 days of 30 pitches. And I mean, it was a marathon. And every single time before I got on that stage, I thought of all of the stories, all of the testimonials, all of the personal experiences that I've amassed over the last two years of building this. And imagine those people in the audience, right? We all have our own tactics for how to get rid of the pre-stage jitters. But that in particular for me is a motivating factor of being able to be the voice or, you know, one that I, I think always comes top of mind is a former colleague of mine named Rebecca. And she uh, she worked for an organization for less than a year, didn't qualify for FMLA, didn't qualify for their leave, and was delivered termination paperwork in the delivery room of the hospital. Um, and that type of an experience is not rare and is so unfair. And um, the success, and while, while I say you know, these are the successes is because I do feel like we're moving the needle um, with the work that we're doing. It's going to take an army of us, which is why the affiliate partnerships that we've created and the channel partnerships are so crucial. But any step in the right direction, in my opinion, is a win. Um, Coupled with, you know, the legislation change and the Me Too movement and this generation, I am absolutely in love with the millennial generation. And I stand up and, and, and counter anyone all day long about some of the um, generalizations of that generation. But I will tell you, I've seen it firsthand and I see it time and time again. They're not putting up with this, right? They're not putting up with the current state. They're leaving organizations that don't get it. They're actually doing things that I think my generation and the generation before me saw and didn't appreciate, but necessarily didn't act on, at least not in the level that this generation is. And I am so appreciative for them and I've learned so much from them. Mm -hmm. Um, So really long answer to a short question. The success is that we're actually doing something to stop this um, and to change the current status quo. I want to I want to take a moment to go back to something you just said about the millennial generation and their and what they're willing and not willing to um, tolerate in the workforce. Mm-hmm. You know, and we go back to our parents' generation, 
you know, my father, for instance, a perfect example, worked for one mega corporation his entire career. Now he had job transitions within the organization and he left uh, with a package because the, the organization uh, merged with another one of its largest competitors and, and he had a choice to stay or he had a choice to take the package. At that point, he was a little more senior in his career and he said, you know what, I'm going to take the package, I will find something else. I, I don't know that I want to be here post you know, post culture, right? Because culture, mm-hmm. even even at that point, this is going back 15, 20 years, was important. Sure. To, my, to my generation, to me, you know, in the first, I don't know, 10 years of my career, I was in four different companies, easily, easily. Mm-hmm. And what I look at this generation now coming up, the 20-somethings, and their fluidity in employment mm-hmm. is they have, they're willing to speak their voice. This Me Too yep. movement was was birthed out of, look, I have a voice and I'm going to use it. Yep. And I think that's something that that women in particular struggle to really perfectly speak their truth. Mm-hmm. I think we're culturalized to accept what is. We're culturalized to say, uh, put everyone else's needs before our own. Mm-hmm. And that is starting to change now and, and perhaps not with you and I, I mean, you and I are starting that are a part of that movement. The younger generations absolutely speaking those tongues where, you know, I'm 42. I have a number of people in my circle that sort of have accepted what society wants them to be mm-hmm. not, and not necessarily speaking their own voice. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're providing. Yes. Yep. I totally agree with everything that you said. It's really exciting. And it's making in the world that we work in the people leaders and organizations to sit up and say, well, crap, we've got to do this better, right? We, it's no longer an option to have a great company culture. It's no longer an option to remove unconscious bias from the workplace. It's no longer an option to let um, the managers that are ill-equipped and not possibly in the wrong seat on the bus, right? They're not supposed mm-hmm. to be people managers. They're, they can't sit there anymore. Um, so that's really exciting to see. So as final thoughts, as we wrap up this conversation, Jen, I, I'd love for you to share um, to other entrepreneurs out there who are, who are building their own. What are you know, just a couple of things that, that look nuggets of truths that you've learned along the way to inspire others to keep moving forward and keep pressing forward on building their dream? (laughs) Well, this goes back to the second question that I didn't exactly answer, which is the struggles of entrepreneurship, right? um, Because they exist. uh, (laughs) I I feel like I say it every day and it's probably not helpful, but um, if I had known how hard this would be, I don't know if I would have had the courage to jump into the world of entrepreneurship. It is, it's the biggest false advertising, like I, like fire festival type thing you can imagine, right? It's you only see the big success stories as someone on the other side who's never done it. Mm-hmm. And while I like to think I came in a little more eyes wide open, I certainly didn't know the entire road and just how um, tumultuous it would be. And I say all the time, I used to put dealing with ambiguity as a strength on every performance review, self-performance review I've always had, right? Like, oh, I can deal with the ups and downs and I'm steady Eddie and I get it. And 
that has completely gone out the window. The roller coaster of entrepreneurship is peaks and valleys like I've never experienced in my career. And I ran, I mean, I ran a third of the country, so I know pressure, but this is a whole different world. Um, to emerging or budding entrepreneurs, you know, it's funny. I heard an investor the other day, because uh, we're seeking our first funding round, as you know, and, and <laughs> this one investor who shall remain nameless said, I really seek the entrepreneurs who don't have a passion for what they're doing because I find that passion clouds judgment. And I, I find that passion gets in the way of really smart business decisions that are ultimately going to result in the maximum return on my investment. And I listened to him and I chewed on it and I thought about it and I bounced it off some of my fellow founders and other investors. And the, the resounding response, which is what my immediate response was, that is complete and total bullshit, right? If you don't have a passion... <laughs> For what you're doing in entrepreneurship, you will not last, in my opinion, because when the chips are down, when you've been told you're 56, no, from an investor, when you don't get into the Y Combinator, whatever it is that you are working your ass off to do, if you can't turn to your touchstone and say, nope, you know, I, this, this is a problem. This is a problem that has to be fixed. And if it's not going to be me, who's going to do this? And you're, you're dealing with a ticking time, mom, you will expire and, and lose your motivation, in my opinion. So I hope that investor finds the right situation to make his money, but I am certainly not the right fit for him. And um, yeah, that would, that would be my answer is if you don't eat, sleep, breathe and live your solution. Um, and the best way, the best way I've ever heard to track that is look at your search history, look at your Google search history, right? If you are not constantly just looking up what's happening in this topic. What's the latest? What's the news? What am I saying on my Twitter feed? If it's not an obsession, probably isn't, isn't right for you. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be my answer. I, I think that is such a beautiful, and thank you so much for bringing that story up because it, it's a, I think it's a beautiful way to highlight. It's so important to be married to your why. And that's exactly why I chose the, the that the conversation for leap was always going to be around the why mm-hmm. because it's the reason Simon Sinek is so darn popular, right? Mm-hmm. He figured it out. And, and then you, I don't know if you're a fan. I'm a huge fan of Jay Shetty huge fan. and uh, Jay literally his podcast is called on purpose. It's called on purpose. It's being married to your purpose and knowing who you are and then to build on that. That's the stuff that gets you through those dark moments and roller coaster rides of entrepreneurship. And yeah, I think you and I talked about that in the pre-conference of um, the glory of what entrepreneurship sounds like. <laughs> and then the reality of so having an hour of like awesomeness and then like six hours of garbage. All, yeah. And then to have like another like breakthrough. And you're like, yeah. oh, this is what it's for. It's true. Everything hinges on that next email, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that next email, that next phone call. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's not for the faint of heart. You've got to love no two days ever looking the same. And <laughs> yeah. 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 So Jennifer, um, final thoughts, Jen, uh, where can people learn a little bit more about um, what you're doing and what you're up to? Yeah. You can find us on the web at www.careeralliesinc.com. We are pretty active on LinkedIn. That's our favorite social channel. Uh, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, But 
check us out on LinkedIn if you're going to look into the social. Awesome, Jennifer. Thank you so much. And for everyone out there listening, if any of this resonated with you and you're working through some hardships of your own and you're an entrepreneur starting your business and you're questioning your why and you're, you're wanting to do some breakthroughs, feel free to please reach out to me. Um, that's what I coach on. I coach women through breaking through their habits that no longer serve them to get to those endpoints where we can start to move forward and create our own greatest possibilities. What is what Jen is doing and what all sorts of entrepreneurs are doing out there to be able to build your why, we've got to build through what limitations we've created for ourselves and the fears that we've created for ourselves so that we can get to that point where we get to contribute our truest selves to the world. And on that, thanks, Jen, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Lead. To learn more about Lead, the podcast and coaching services, please join us on our LEAP Facebook page at facebook.com slash what's your LEAP.